Okay, Erev Tov, we're continuing the next chapter in the Morning of Uchim, Perak Nun Gimel. And again, we've, I photocopied the sheet from Rav Tolidano to expedite things a little bit. Um, and uh, we've got an English sheet that kind of has a good summary um, of what uh, the Rambam is talking about. It's not a hundred percent match up between the book and the summary, but between the two, we'll get everything done. And the name of tonight's chapter is "Why People Ascribe Intrinsic Attributes to God." Why do people do that? And he's going to be criticizing um, two groups of people: uh, good, well-intentioned Jews who are just ignorant of the Tanakh, so to speak, and what it means, who attribute intrinsic attributes to Hashem and then he'll be dealing with another group of um, Islamists uh, called the Kalamists as we'll see what he has to do with that and this follows up to what we did in the last couple chapters where we were talking about the, the pitfalls of language and uh, the different descriptions that were used for Hashem and we ended up saying the only thing we can really describe is what God does. So now he's going to talk about a subtle point. Uh, we might as well just go straight into it. Okay, so we're on page 258 in the Hebrew, right at the top. Point of Hakshama Nafshis. This is um, non, um, what do you want to call it, spiritual, emotional, corporeality. What does this mean? Okay. The reason which causes Rambam to have a, um, well, the reason that causes people to think that there are attributes that can be attributed to Hashem, the source of that really is very close to the same reason why people, what caused people they give physical attributes to God. There's only a subtle difference between them. Hashkafas elam enon ela enon prehispanus. These hashkafas are not a fruitfulness that came from a lot of serious thought. Ela totza shall kriyas shitchias shall tanach hamiyachas lahashem. It's only a result of a superficial reading of the Tanakh in which things are attributed to Hashem like. Ratzon, desire, yidia, knowledge, yicholas, ability, chachma, wisdom, rachmanus, mercy, uchidom. We're seeing the Torah writing this, and they look at it superficially, and the figure of Hashem has seven attributes. Even those people who say, yes, God has attributes, but even they would say, they would negate any corporeality of Hashem. But what they remained with, with Hashem, is using descriptions, physical descriptions, but they're not physical, but they're more um, non-physical, meaning uh, characteristics. So it's like, uh, I don't like to use the word spiritual, but non-physical, corporeal characteristics. Notice you got hand, foot, leg. That's mamish, corporeal, you could touch. But emotions and, and all those other things, well, it, even though it's not physical, but it's still corporeal. So they say, well, physical things, that's for sure out. 
But if you can't touch it and feel it, what's wrong with saying Hashem's got that? And, and the rabbi saying that's no different because it's coming from the same problem. You're giving it's a it's you're using your human understanding and 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 saying that that God has those certain characteristics. Okay, that really are involved with physical beings and not with a with a spiritual being like that. And that is what is he's going on the attack over here, even though he said it in the last chapter that we can't, of the five different things, he says, well, four of them are out, and we only can do what Hashem does. But now he's going to say why, and that's the name of the title, the source of people who still want to ascribe intrinsic attributes to God, because that's another form of corporeality, but a much more subtle form of corporeality. So you have the real um, obtuse thinkers who think Hashem really has hands, okay? And that you cannot say. But say Hashem intrinsically has emotions that also is not possible and he's going to explain in more detail why. Well, you could see there are people who'd want to say this and we'll see why they're going to be saying this. He's going to explain all of this, but he's saying it's really the same mistake. So let's... Somebody does something that's kind, you can say he's a kind person. Like we're saying if God does something that's kind, because we said it yesterday, doesn't make him have the attitude. Right, so that he's going to go into more detail. That's he, what we're saying. Yes, but but he's not kind. He's not kind. Right. But so he does something that's kind. Fine, but that doesn't mean he's kind. And that that's that's what he said in the last chapter. He's just trying right, to explain right. to you why people would insist to want to give him attributes, even though he's they're not. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I understand. Like he's that? just. Well, not everybody in the Rambam's time thought that. But God will say, I'm a vengeful God. Again, okay, why don't, we, why don't we just yeah, read yeah. ahead, why don't we just read ahead yeah. and, and cover yeah, some ground, and then we can talk uh, from a more okay. information-based. All right. Okay, second paragraph. Even when we deal with attributes, the Torah does use attributes, but it's because of Debra, Torah, Kalashim, Adam. Torah speaks in a way that people speak, so they'll get some understanding. B'nei Adam, people, svurim, kitaorim, attributes like chokma, wisdom, ratzon, desire, rachmanus, mercy, mavatim shem, that expresses perfection. Kim be'emes, mavatim shem, because that's how they describe people who are good. And God must be good, he must be perfect, so he's got these wonderful characteristics. Ulekachak, tanach, yiyachas, or something, for the Torah, uses um, human ways of describing things, but they're still not meant to be exactly what it is. Ach im ma, but with a little reflection, Rowan we see shulo yiyaches or some musa that the Torah is not uh, attributing it to God's essence elulamasav to His actions, like we said in the last chapter. Ein hakodesh baruch hu rachman okasin b'mahuso. Hashem is not essentially. Merciful or angry, who sholate he rules berachmanus with mercy ubekasim with anger, who sholate bemidos he rules with midos, ach who misnaig leviat zerich kefi shemisnaig rachman, but he acts as is required, as humans would think a merciful person conducts himself, who misnaig leviat zerich kefi shemisnaig kaisen. And he acts as necessary as an angry person would act. 
Hatarim, therefore, the attributes who came him to Ari Pula, their descriptions of action, below Tarmatsmim, and not essential qualities of Hashem. It is what he said in the last chapter, but we're gonna but he's gonna be much more thorough on this. So if we take a look at the English a little bit, first part says, Tanakh itself, when read simply, implies attributes, just as it implies corporeality. But to divest of God of corporeality while still maintaining other attributes is a mistake. That one ascribes to God human attributes when he possesses none. That's the Dibra Turk Lashmeadam. The Torah's ob- objective in ascribing attributes such as knowing, seeing, hearing is to indicate perfection, but not true attributes. Okay, now we're going to go to the next Hebrew paragraph. And this is a great mashal. He uses two amazing mashalim to make this idea clear. Okay, mashal ha'esh. We're on the Hebrew now. Bays the at the example of heat. Now tell me exactly in as few words as possible, without giving any examples. Tell me precisely what does fire do? Only one thing it does. The core thing. And that is the thing that fire does. Exothermic destroys means burns. burns. That's, that's, that's a result of what it, produces, it does. It, it destroys. Produces heat. The what? Produces heat. It emits heat. Right. That is what it does. It doesn't do anything else. Exothermic. It emits heat. Now, in the process of emitting heat, depending on what it reacts with, you'll get a different result. So now are you going to say that heat does six different things? Or does it do one thing? Look how he explains. On the one hand, it melts items, certain items melt. And it solidifies other things. Umavasham, it cooks things. Umavashal, sorry, and burns things. Umalbina will make things white. Umashkir will make things black. So you're going to say, does it do six things? Borshe be shisha markim shame. Clear fire doesn't have six attributes. Echod, you're going to say one attribute shemesik. It's a melter. Vechet shemakish, it's a solidifier. Echzva, it's a cooker. Sorry, it's a burner. Echazamami whitens. Echazamami blackens. No. Chum ha'esh. It's the heat of the fire. Hu ha'osa esheish hapulosel. Does the six activities. Imkachulagabi. Next page. Imkachulagabi esh ein loros. And that we can say by fur that has no will. Kavachemer the more so. Lagabi habori. We could say about Hashem. Shubal Rotson has a desire. And why does he think the Rambam picks the example of fire? He could have picked a lot of other examples. If you look at footnote 2 at the very bottom, he says, because the Torah says, Ki Hashem elokecha eish oichlehu. Hashem is a consuming fire. So that's why I wanted to use the example of fire. Right? Who, so one second, let me just finish this. He could do a lot of different activities with his desire, but but not his essence is in a whole bunch of different things. He doesn't have an aspect of knowledge that's a separate aspect. 
Vitzat shal ratzon, and a separate aspect of desire. Vitzat shal yecholos, and an aspect of ability, ukedoima, is just one thing. Okay, so let's take a look, and let's just read a little. I'll take your question about five minutes. Let me just finish. Let's look at Gimel. He takes one more example. Let's take another example. Mashal hasechol hanoshi. How about human intellect? A human being has a simple attribute that's not a combination. But does a variety of activities. A person's intellect, it is responsible for certain actions or results of thoughts, such as mata, science, technologia, you know what that is, uh, is technology, aminus, uh, um, I think security. Niho. It's like artistic. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, like a, a Crafts? Crafts. 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 That's right. Niho, management. So, therefore, but it's one brain. It's one seichel. The seichel will be used according to what it has to deal with. The seichel will manifest in a different way. He's always using his seichel. It's one seichel. But the seichel will develop in different ways depending on what it's interacting with. Hashem is a lot of various things from the single unification of Hashem. Let's just do the English there and then we'll take happily questions. Point two, Greek philosophy was classic Neoplatonism. That's the modern Plato. Discusses emanationism the model that describes a unitary God emanating multiple effects which do not compromise on the unitariness of the emanator. This concept is true not only of God, but of other things. And there he gives the example of heat that emits heat, but has multiple effects depending on the recipients. And this applies all the more so to sentient beings, meaning humans uh, that are able to sense Things, okay. So now that's now. If you want to ask questions, well, that was not exactly so. my question. The fire yeah. only emits heat. It, the reaction, what's happening, depends on what you're putting the heat on. What it's reacting so it's not with. Really the fire, yeah. The, but the, the heat is one thing. That's it. So but if you're heating water, right, right. Heating gold, so Hashem, <laughs> when He interacts, the differences are only with whom He interacts with. As opposed to Hashem is doing different things, right? Right. right. So, the, so I'm saying the fire isn't isn't what has all those six seven adjectives making black. Correct. Hard. Correct. It's like if you put steel on the fire, Correct. it's it hardening. Correct. No, Correct. but it makes it red and glowing. But 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 the heat is a unitary. It's just one thing. That's the marshal to Hashem. Hashem's just one thing, His divine will. That's it, and His divine will. Changes based on the the post interaction. It's a pure will, but when the will goes here, it manifests. The manifestation comes out of the interaction that Hashem has with something. But it's not that Hashem changes. So the divine will now interacts here and makes chesed. The divine will over will over here, it makes kvur. That's all. It's not that Hashem is the one. Who is ruled by his feelings of chesed, his feelings of gvura? He has one pure will. 
to manage the world in the way that's best for the world. That's it. And that will, just like the fire, it, inter it interacts with everyone in a different way. And therefore, it looks like it's different. But it's not. That's the point he's saying over here. Okay. Now, he uh, is going to raise a few issues over here. Next. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, Dalit, back to the Hebrew now. Hataorim, let's look at the following attributes. Chai, living. Yodea, knows. Yochol, able. Rotzeh, wants. Now these four can present a little problem based on what we just said. If we say that God is merciful, God is angry, and all these things, so we could very well say, no, it's a Unitarian power, but when the universe goes here, it manifests in Rachmanus. Goes over here, it manifests in Kaz. That's all when God does things and the doing interacts with different situations. But alive, knowing, able, and wanting is not really interacting with others. So how do we understand that? How's that part of his unity? That's where it becomes a little trickier. Okay? So, we said the attributes that the Torah used, they relate to his actions. So, those who still say, no, that Hashem has many attributes, that old school that says, no, God has a lot of attributes, they don't agree with this idea, even though you might be right when it's like fire and interact with other things. Be tiny because they say, wait a minute. You might be right when you say he's kind. You might be right when you say he's angry. But what about when it says he's alive, he knows, he's able, and he wants? Those of them, they don't really relate and interact with an action towards another. And therefore, as a result of that, now they say God's got four different aspects. Chaim, he's alive. Yedia, he knows. Yecholos, he's able. Rutzen, he desires. So that's why, even if you're going to tell me, yeah, okay, it's like Neoplatonism, but still, some areas we can say that. Okay? So let's take a look in the, uh, the Hebrew that says, for three reasons, they're wrong. Okay? And we'll repeat it in the English afterwards. One, Legali Yedia, we talk about knowledge, so the mistake people made, they, they compared God's knowledge to human knowledge because the only way they know of knowledge is human knowledge. You want to talk about, well, how do you know anything? Well, I know how I know. I know how every human being knows. The mistake was, and I guess Hashem knows the same way we know. Okay? Because that's the only way they know of knowing. Right? Now think about knowledge of a person which man's knowledge is only one element of his existence. Can't a human being live when he has no brains? He can breathe, he can enjoy, he can do a lot of things, but he doesn't have any seichel. So it's one aspect of his life. Okay? And therefore the knowledge of person, Eina Mufeles Alasma. It doesn't work on itself. Ella Amashim only on what's outside of it. 
because that's where knowledge comes from, from outside of itself. I'll call yeser merkivot and and on all other human components, it works that way. Gufo, his physical body, Yecholta's ability, Ritzono, his desires, Midos of his attributes. It's one aspect of a lot of aspects of the person, and it only works when it's dealing with something outside of its realm and not inherently of itself. Okay? That's the way knowledge works. Correct? How do you know anything? I looked on the internet and I found out. Maybe you don't know anything from the internet, but that, that's, you're looking at the outside world, and that, that, that's what makes that happen. And knowing is only one aspect of our lives. There's so many other things we do that has nothing to do with knowing. Yedir Kim, on the other hand, Zoha Imat that is all related to his essential being. Yedir Salokim is Atzmo, the knowledge of Hashem works through his essence. There's no connection, comparison to God's inherent knowledge versus man's inherent knowledge. There's no possibility. The person can understand what Hashem knows. Because the way our minds are structured is a separate little pocket. It's called the brain and works very independently (coughs) of everything else and only works on things that are outside of itself. Where Hashem doesn't need any of that. But he can't. He can't work outside of himself. That's impossible. Because he is everything. That's right. He's everything of himself. So that's out. So that's regarding knowledge. Lagabi hachaim. What about living? It's clear that anyone with self-awareness is alive. Didn't you say that? Mm-hmm. If you're dead, you can't be self-aware. Very poor. Knowledge and life, for Hashem, that's exactly the same thing. Okay? Knowledge and life is totally the same thing. While human being can be brain deficient, but alive. Therefore, we can't use them as descriptions of Hashem. Heim atzmuso. Again, it is His essence. And Yecholas and Ratzon, desire and uh, ability, Mufanim, those are obviously referring about actions. And we already said God can do actions. Those aren't essential characteristics. It's only talking about the ability and the desire to do things. That's all. And that area, that's the realm of actions. So that gets rid of all these things. So now if you want to hear it again in English, so point three, people generally describe to God the intrinsic attributes of knowledge, das, ability, yecholos, or power, and rutsam. But these attributes are separate within humans. Correct? They're separate within humans. So it would be a mistake to understand them in this way with God, for that would imply multiplicity. Now, some Kalamists, those are Islamists, express this idea of the intrinsicality of these attributes, but are mistaken, and we'll see what that mistake is shortly. Okay? And again, he explains in four why that's so. An analogy for man's unitary rationality emanating multiple products to God's unitariness emanating multiple products, 
are not the same because when it's by God, it's only destructive of his actions. Okay? And therefore, all attributes found in Tanakh are thus a product of God's actions, not his innateness. And anyone attempting to link God's attributes with his innateness is misusing language. Going back to that misuse of language. Now, there's a very interesting Kleokar, which I failed to mention when we're talking about the fire. It's at the very bottom. Hmm. Parshish Re'eh. It says, Re'eh Anochi no saying, Lifnechem Hayom, the Brach and the Kloa. And he uses the day as a witness. The Kleokar said, Mils Hayom, to the remes of the daily cycle and the sun. And the blessings and the curses, he says, it's like the sun. It's that, for example, the sun, the sun can shine and can do very different activities on a sunny day. It could melt things. It could solidify things. It can make things black. It can uh, make things white. It can cook things as well. It could heat things up. But it's only coming from the rays of the sun. And therefore, when it comes for some people, it will come as a bracha, and for some it will cause a klala, but it's not going to change Hashem. So that's a, a clear kliyokar that's saying the same idea. Okay, now the last part is uh, either you get it or you don't get it. So five, why do people feel a need to ascribe God's multiple attributes to his innateness? They felt this was really beneficial. This is these Kalamists, these Islamists, why do they feel the need to ascribe characteristics? Now, we're not talking about the Jews. The Jews say it's in the Torah, so that's just what it says, and they don't feel that's corporeality, even though it is. But no, there are also, you got to mamish feel this way, because if you really know what God is, we got to say he has interior attributes. And again, they're going to make the same mistakes with language. They say like this What are you, you going to say? That he, the attributes are not inside him? So here's their mistakes. It's like, I guess they're outside of him then. Because they can't be inside of him because there's a plurality. Right? They know there's one God. So it's, it's got to be outside of him. But because if God's attributes are extrinsic to him, then one might misconstrue an attribute as affecting God himself. As much as it affects things outside of him, his creations. You say, well, really God doesn't have these characters. So where are they? They're outside. They're outside. And this would be a mistake akin to saying that God created himself. Oh. <laughs> right? Oh. You gotta say, he has these qualities, but they're outside of himself. So they, they create himself. And he mentions these four attributes <laughs> that are contained in the fact that people most likely agree is intrinsic to God. As we said, living, able, knowing, and willing. They believe in this intrinsic hell because of the aforementioned army that God cannot affect himself. Right? That's the mistake. They feel, we've got to stick up for God. None of these four attributes can be described as reflexive. For example, God does not know himself or exercise his power upon himself. Rather, these attributes describe how God affects his creations. That's what is the truth. So despite the good intention of those who describe these attributes as intrinsic, but are rather relational to his creations or really reflective of his actions that we discussed in the previous chapter, you know, explaining the last two of the types of five attributes. This ultimately removes multiplicity from God. In other words, they're saying it's bad, their language is it's better to say that God has all these things inside of himself 
tend to say that others have created God. And they're saying, well, God has these attributes, but they're not inside of him. That's what they're trying to say. They don't want to say it's outside of him because then the outside ones are, are controlling him. So, so God has them, but they're not inside of him. But, but they're not outside of him. No, they're not outside either. And that's where the language... No. It's a language trap. Language trap. It's a language trap. But, but this way they feel he's more one our way. You can't have that these things are controlling him. So what do they say? They, they slip of the tongue. Slip, you know. They say, well, yes, they, 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 he has them all. He has them all. But uh, they're, they're, they're not outside of him, but they're not part of him either. So that's that. the problem with the language. Right? Figure that out. And therefore, we conclude that some attributes <laughs> find in the Tanakh may also merely be indicative of God's perfection, as will be explained in later chapters, or it's just the effect of what he does. And that really is the best understanding where you could see where others would make these mistakes. Okay, comments, questions? It's good? I think we saved two weeks already by not going in the text. So actually, when the Torah says, like, I'm a jealous God, like in the Ten Commandments, like, he's saying it himself. Again, again. He's saying it so dummies will understand what's going the on. Of man. It's, it's a language of man. Now, what is God really doing? His will is is manifesting on, let's say, um, a person uh, is a kaifer. He's a kaifer. Hashem doesn't want that guy around anymore. So it, he, he's not jealous. He says, okay, my will will be directed to that person. And it's going to react to him. And God's will is the, is the perfect thing to do. And when it hits that person, he's going to get killed. And anybody watching says, oh, that was, a, that was an act of jealousy. From our purview, it's, oh, it looked like he was jealous. It, it created the dynamic of the, from the recipient's perspective. That's what changes everything, is that, oh, an act of jealousy impacted this fellow. Hashem can send the same energies to a poor person and give him kindness. That's, that's the one unity. Hashem says, I'm going to just make things right. That's sure one more and I send my energy as what is the best thing that should happen. That's the same energy. You know, let me say it like this. You call the plumber trying to think. You have a doctor. A doctor. So doctor looks at this patient. I'm sorry, I have to cut off both feet and both arms. You have terrible diabetes. Now, anybody looks at it and says, wow, what a cruel doctor. Right? They don't understand why this is happening. Right? A person walks in, looks in the hospital, says, doctor cut off his four major limbs. What a cruel doctor. Well, it looks that way. Another patient, the best thing to do for that patient is to um, take away his fever. Well, that was a kind doctor. The doctor does one thing, deals for the best thing for patients. Everything Hashem does is good. And when he does good to a Russia, it looks like he's being vengeful. When he's doing good, 
in dealing with a tzaddik, it looks like he's being merciful. Or whatever it is. But that is that one unitarian will of Hashem. It, it's not, you know, when, when we, okay, people who are not in control of their amidos, uh, um, so to you, oh, I'm angry at you. And that may not be the best thing. You, oh, I need a favor from you later. I'm going to be nice to you. That may not be the best thing either. But you see how I'm controlled by those meadows. That's different meadows. Human beings have different meadows. Right? Because we can't be other than that. But a real tzaddik emulates Hashem like this too. And the real tzaddik only has one meter to emulate Hashem. And the emulate Hashem means in this situation, the will of Hashem is to be kind. In this situation, the will of Hashem is to be cruel. Now, of course, that still isn't unity within us. It can't be because we don't have that ability to make it in one thing. But at least we're trying to emulate a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Right? But a human being to emulate Hashem would do it. You never get angry that the anger is what's making the decision. Right. Never. You're not kind that the kindness is making the decision. That's also terrible. The Ratzon Hashem says, I have to be kind now. Remember, sometimes being kind is the worst thing. Biden was very kind to UNRWA. Very kind to Palestinians. But that wasn't kindness. No. Right? The greatest kindness you could do for the world is to destroy the Palestinians. And that's kindness. When we leave this world, so then at that point, wouldn't there be some sort of judgment? So you're like... Uh, for us, you know, yes. Right? It's a judgment for us, but so it's it's almost like we're we have to think of uh, the Almighty as a, as a way of a as a, as a person uh, as, as an entity giving um, a judgment. Uh, judgment well, know? guess what? For dead people, for live people, his energy interacts in a way that keeps you alive, and therefore he'll he'll interact with you. The result is either kindness or this. A dead person gets a different reaction. It's the same energy, the same energy. But that energy now, with a dead person, manifests in a different way. It was a judgment. judgment. But it's all one energy. It's all one energy. And it's all what? To give good. The judgment of the next world is just to give good. That's all. Ah, if you're a Russia, you go to Gehenna. That's what's good for you. You're excited, you go to Ghanaian. That's what's good for you. It's all in terms of the actions and what it, what, what it hits. When Hashem's energy hits you, it's going to manifest in one way. And therefore, it's not in so many different ways. Okay, that's the best I can do. All right, have a great long weekend, like always. It's always a long weekend.